Hello and welcome to the SBP podcast, The Voice of Mobile Film. You are listening to episode 59 and I'm your host, Susie Botello. It's not easy to go about and do something that you're told cannot be done. But you know what? That's only the first step. They say the first step is the hardest. But what about a hundred steps in that same direction? A lot of times, a great idea comes at a price, and that price includes the negativity of people telling you that it just can't be done. Do you quit? Do you give up? The difference between you and the rest of them is that you don't. You take 10 steps. You take 100 steps. You embark on a journey, and you persevere until you succeed. Our guest in this episode is Mark Hadlow. You may recognize him in the Hobbit trilogy as Dory the Dwarf, perhaps as Harry in King Kong, or in Mammal by Gregory Cooper, just to name a few. Well, in March last year, Mark Hadlow plays Horace Jones with co-lead actor Jed Brophy. Blue Moon was written and directed by Steph Harris in New Zealand. The film is a feature mobile film shot with an iPhone. Now, if you've been following the mobile film movement, the International Mobile Film Festival in San Diego, and the SBP podcast, you realize that we're at a junction in this journey when we need to stop asking if we can make a movie with a smartphone. The next phase of this journey is about the story that you can tell with your film, which you can now film with a smartphone. Yeah, the entire thing. And if you have a great story, then make a movie. And if you make a movie, then get yourself some incredible good actors. And perhaps you don't need but one location and one small crew. And perhaps, just maybe, well, this is a good time to begin our conversation with Mark. Welcome, everyone, to the SBP podcast, the voice of mobile film. I am here. I'm in San Diego, but our friend uh, Mark Hadlow here is in New Zealand. Um, And you may recognize the name from the most popular feature film shot with an iPhone doing the rounds on social media and uh, in some of the film festivals. Uh, So I'd like to introduce you to Mark Hadlow. Hi, Susie. How are you? I'm fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much for being in touch. Yes, well, it's a pleasure and uh, speaking with you. um, I've, uh, you know, spoken to Steph Harris, who for listeners is the writer and the director of the film. (laughs) Um, and so I, I am really glad that, uh, to speak with you so that we can share with our listeners, um, you know, your end of this story or your side. Um, why don't you share a little bit about, uh, about the movie itself first, and then I'd really like to talk, I know, um, because you were an actor, um, your experience in, you know, acting for a mobile film as a, as a professional. Um, well, I guess from the perspective of Blue Moon, um, I've known Steph for a long time, and we've done about six films together now. Wow. Um, and Blue Moon actually came out of a frustration of uh, us not moving forward in making a film that a, a previous film script that he'd written called Swan Song, and from that the. Um, Exasperation grew to the extent where we've got we got no progress, we got no traction um, from any of the organisations in New Zealand, um, and so I literally jokingly said to Steph when we were talking about it, um, you know what, we should just make this on an iPhone, you know, make one song on an iPhone. He said, no, 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 we can't do that. And blah blah blah. 
Anyway, it got him thinking, and he went away, and, and as you know the story, he was at the service station in Mochueca. Yeah. And he was just looking in the win- in the window of the service station, and it was like a starship. It was lit up, you know, in the night, just the servo. And he thought, oh, my God, this is a good story. So from his police experience and from what he's done as a director, a producer, a writer, he produced this extraordinary script, um, Blue Moon. And so I um, – because Jed had come on board to do Swan Song, so Jed and I had a read of it within, like, five minutes of each of us finishing the, the script at homes, at our different homes, we rang each other and said, we've got to do this. This is fantastic. So I jokingly then um, asked Steph again, why don't we make this on an iPhone? Let's buy, bypass all of the all of the, the bodies that we try and get money off to develop scripts to get the film made. Do it on an iPhone. And, and he sort of went, oh, God. So he, and that's the story, basically. He then went and made discussions with his um, with his director of photography. Um, um, and uh, so, yeah, and um, it, it all came together like that. So basically we shot the film in 30 hours over six days in Wachiwaka and between myself and Jed and my daughter Olivia, who's in the film as well, which is pretty exciting, and, and Doug Brooks, who, who was a pretty major component of that as well, and the other little smaller roles that were around it, we were able to put this film together on an iPhone that we weren't sure how this was going to turn out. When we saw the first frames or in the cut of the first sort of trailer that they put together, I was gobsmacked. I couldn't actually... Um, put two sentences together because I thought, I can't believe this. And we still have people saying to us where, who see the trailer that this wasn't shot on an iPhone. This, how did you do that? Well, we had some very clever people working on the film. That's how we were able to shoot it. And Jed and I, as professional actors, uh, who have known each other for a long time, we worked very hard during the day to come to set and almost... Um, rehearse it like a play during the day so that when we came to set we could just do it and I mean I think some of the takes were 13 minutes uh, because we just kept going and I think that stopped a lot of the uh, interruption of changing the camera angle Um, and it became sort of like a fluid almost like a play on film Um, and it makes me feel very good about it because Jen and I work together very well we're very trusting trusting in each other's um, ability to, you know, to care for each other, um, to go with someone who's got some feeling or an emotion. Um, and that, that, that's the bottom line. There you go. That's how Blue Moon came about. And, and we both agree that it's, as a body of work for myself as an actor, and I speak for Jed, I'm sure, is it's an extraordinary example of two actors coming together, trusting each other, and creating something that was captured on this incredible um, system that they put together, the anamorphic lens um, and the lighting that um, had been created. And the, the sound was produced by a, a Hollywood veteran of sound who did the Glorious Bastards, etc., etc. Um, so we had these really incredible pockets of experience and professionalism working in this medium that gelled. I don't know whether it could happen again. I guess it could, but it just gelled. For one week, we came together and we created this magic called Blue Moon. I'm very lucky. I feel very fortunate. Yeah, you know, on every film set um, with all the professionals in the world, um, this is why I love filmmakers and this medium, um, things happen, things, things, unexpected things happen. Uh, you, you find yourself, uh, troubleshooting a lot. Um, but that's kind of where the magic happens because people put their heads together and creatively find a solution. Um, mm. when you, when you said that you were, uh, a little nervous because you weren't sure if it was going to work out, did that, did that because 
what happens when people have an idea like you did of let's let's shoot it on the iPhone um it's very tough on people especially who are professionals in in the medium who are not used to that you know um it's like saying uh we're going to cook Thanksgiving dinner uh but let's use the you know these toy ovens or something like that it's it's like uh I, I like, seriously I, like <laughs> I, I know what you mean I, I i guess i was nervous because you know the 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 emotional content of what we were portraying was pretty big um but i guess in a conundrum sort of way i guess that's what you could call it yeah the iphone being so small and unobtrusive, we were sort of able to not, in some of it, not feel it was there. So I guess, you know, there's not so many people associated with it. There was just the cameraman, there was just Steph, um, and there was the sound. Uh, but I, I guess in a way, um, it all sort of folded in on itself and became this sort of myopic um, window Yes. Yeah, it, it became a window into these guys' lives, which was able to be reflected so easily and so quietly and so still and so unobtrusively through the iPhone. Uh, there yeah. you go. I yeah, guess. you know, I've yeah. actually used that term before that filming, uh, recording through the phone is like looking through a window and, and yeah. framing it, you know, just mm-hmm. where you want it to go. But, you know, you also... Um, <laughs> It's it's really interesting because um, when you, because you have we haven't talked about this I'd like for you to talk about this but you've had you have experience in theater and so does Jed so it may be the case with you as opposed to other actors who are not in theater where not seeing the camera is is a comfortable thing right mm. I, I I guess so but um. But to me personally, if the truth is in the role, whether you're in theatre, film, um, television, whatever you're doing, if the truth is in the role and you and you're in the moment and you're you're doing what you're doing, uh, I don't think really it's um, it's something that becomes an issue. Uh, you know, I for, for ages I I disagree with that thing that oh theatre actors don't make good film actors because it's always too big. Um, you know, for ages we've heard that, and um, I sort of tend to think now that actually, it, because of the experience that you gain and um, prosper from, with regards to the experience you take to the next role after the role you've just done, it's sort of sort of it's a significant progress, I think, from the perspective of if you're doing a film or theatre or anything, um, if you're in the moment and it's true and you're relating with the other actor, and it doesn't matter. And I think that's what happened in Blue Moon. Everybody involved who was filmed on screen, it was in the moment, um, including, you know, Olivia and Doug, um, and even the small, you know, Liz Mullane, who came in uh, to do the taxi driver. I mean, it's mm-hmm. a wonderful moment uh, uh, for for her, you know, as the, as the cab driver and that lovely sort of... Um, delivery and then even the you know for for the policeman to come in at the end to interview me for I mean that was all off the cuff it was extraordinary with Rob you know mm-hmm. uh, there was I, I think because the camera was um, unobtrusive yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I do but we were able to do that and I, I think the theater would have helped us I think a great deal because in the theater the fourth wall um, I guess in a way, um, hides the six or seven or eight hundred people, or the thirty or forty or fifty people that are watching the play. Yeah, and you become oblivious to the fourth wall. So you're actually looking through the fourth wall, and you're looking through the audience, and you're conveying your story. And I think what happened was we were conveying our story through the lens, through the window. And the window um, was just in the right place at the right time. And I, I, boy, I think we just were very lucky. Yeah. Wow, that sounds so poetic. <laughs> I love well, it. I don't know. It sounded, <laughs> I sounded a bit gobbledygook. I mean, I sounded like I was going on and on about something. But no, I it love did, it. It just touched. Um, you know, the, it was extraordinary. We were up at um, 
we were up at sort of um, up there to have a dinner together at about six o'clock, and then we would start filming at ten o'clock, and we'd be through filming by five o'clock because that's when the BP station was open for business. Mm. And so the magic happened from midnight through to five by the time we got set up because the garage didn't shut till eleven. So we were set up, and then we'd shoot for five hours, and it just went and um, and went, and then we would go home at about six, we'd sleep for about four or five hours and get up, and then we'd just meander in through, uh, you know, get up and just get together and, 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 and start sort of thinking about where, we're, and the journey, the journey of the two characters and w- was really interesting so that we could actually, uh, we really focused on, on the journey of the two characters and their history, having been at school together. Some terrible thing happened at school. We ne- it's never mentioned what happened. Yeah. But something happened to um, the two characters, Horace and um, uh, Jed's character. It's just gone completely out of my head for the moment, which, was, which is ridiculous. Um, uh, uh, Darren, Darren Cates? Uh, da- Darren. Is it yeah. Darren? No, no. Oh, my God, that's ridiculous. Anyway, the two lead characters, something really bad happened to them at school. And that's and they sort of hadn't seen each other since then, since the bust up, because um, they were in each other's pockets. They, you know, they were they were boys that they'd met in the first year at secondary school, and they went through, and then um, w- but we didn't really touch on what that could have been. Um, so it was an um, underlying theme that both of us kept in our subconscious, but we never really talked about what could have happened. And 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 I think you know Jed and I come at things from the same angle that we want to do the best we can and our experience theatrically our experience filmically and Jed's had an awful lot of experience filmically um, with many 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 of the Peter Jackson films but also many other films he's constantly um, assisting and doing things on films you know he he's um, his uh, oh, his um, he's very passionate it seems oh, like yeah. he, his um and his heritage with regards to what he's achieved is um, quite, quite, quite considerable. So, you know, it was a great thing for me to actually be co-leading with Jed Brophy. Um, you know, the, the story, the story itself. So, you know, the film opens up basically with you and it's, yeah. it's a, it's a quiet, um, it's almost like a, not a moan. I mean, you, you speak on the phone here and there and things like that, yeah. but it's mainly, you know, it, it's, it's just you like almost like a silent film in a way yeah. that first yeah. part. And, it, but it, yeah, it's night shift in a, in a, in a, almost like a ghost town. Yeah. Yeah. And it really pro- portrays that and you start to settle in as the viewer, you know, and you start to get to know this guy, which is great considering where everything goes. Right. Um, yeah. as a very simple, um, everyday guy, you yeah. know, and then things start to open up, you know, not just in your character, but I mean, in, in the story itself. Yeah. And you, you really, you know, the, the fact that, do you think that if you would have done this with another actor, everything would have, uh, I'm sure you, you, you would say yeah but i don't know i i think there was some magic connection with jed where where you did carry each other through in the in the story that well i think yeah i mean our backgrounds i mean we've had some pretty pretty serious stuff happen in our backgrounds you know in our history through our lives through being actors you know being an actor in new zealand is not easy i guess being an actor anyone in the world is not easy um you know none of us are movie stars none of us are the one in a million who get to be a movie star. Um, This is hard work. I'm going to put it out there right now. This, Mm -hmm. to get to where we are on blue moon, Jed Brophy and myself uh, in combined have, uh, have got 70 years to getting to where we are. 30, I think 33 for Jed and 41 for me. Um, So if you think, and he's done some huge roles and, one man, he's done, you know, two-handers. Um, I've done some huge roles. I've done one-man shows. I've done all this stuff. We've got to where we are. So to a certain extent, there was not really much for us to worry about because we knew that we had each other's back. 
and I still do. I have I have Jed's back no matter what we're doing. Um, how many and, you know, films? We, how many films have you and Jed worked on together? Uh, only about three now. We we've not worked together very much at all. Hmm. We've not actually worked together very much at all. We just know each other really really well, and from that. Um, it comes a, a sort of an unspoken trust that came out of completely. We, when we were cast, I've got a one. This is just to one, give you some recollection. When, when I was cast in the in the Hobbit, I'd just been to wardrobe uh, for my, I think my, about my second or first fitting, and I'd been dropped back at the airport, Wellington Airport, and I was walking through the airport, and Jed Brophy had just come off a plane from somewhere else and was coming to, and we were, and we met each other. We hadn't seen each other for a while. I had a smile on my face. Jed had a smile on his face. We didn't say a word. We just hugged each other and said, how cool is this? That was it. And we knew. Both of us didn't say anything more than that. We knew we were in The Hobbit, but we knew that it was going to be amazing. And and I guess you don't need any of the facade or the, you know, or the, you know, it's gravitas. It's it's what people bring with them in regards to their, their their loyalty, their integrity, and their uh, preparation and their professionalism. You bring those with you, and you exhibit those. Then, I don't think there's anything to discuss from the perspective of you're there to do a job, and do a job well. So the trust issue remains. I said you don't have to overly talk about it. It's just there. It exists. Because you've been through what you've been through to get to where you are. I don't know whether that makes any sense, does it? Oh, yes. And, and you know what I'm actually picturing in my mind is almost like two guys coming together to build a house. And you both built many houses separately. Mm. You know? Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, though, Jed could build a house. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I mean, from that, too, you know, you know, uh, Yolanda... Um, and Jed are, are good friends of ours. Um, Yolanda and Jane talk um, quite often, and and the boys, um, the the boys are pretty um, important to their families just as much as our kids are to us. And um, so you know, there's that too. The family situation, we have some um, some sort of similarities that that you know, and we're not you know we're not great network. Well, Jed's a very good networker, but I'm not a great networker, but um, you know, we don't we don't take a whole lot of stock from the facade of the industry. The yeah. facade of the industry is just not great. It does not reward. It's just um, it's just it's just hearsay. It's just people with open mouths, and what they're saying means very little. Um, and I think what's really good to come out of Blue Moon is we've got an awful lot of people that everything that's coming out of their mouths is real. It's honest, and it's to the point. Um, and I think you know. Um, you, you, you back that up with, with Steph, who is a, a frontline police officer in New Zealand, um, who has a very uh, stressful job, yet can write some of the best scripts, can sit there and, and do whatever he does during the night to direct. His, his wife, again, she does so much of the producing as well and the, and the, the bits and pieces. And... Um, and you've got all these other people that come in, you know, um, that come in to help on the film as well. It's, a, it's an association of people, of good people. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's like the family thing. Um, and let me, because that comes to mind as, as um, a great segue to talk about your daughter, Olivia, which you've mentioned a few <laughs> times. Um how was was that her first uh, acting experience or? No, she's um, she's done quite a bit. She's done some a lot of. She did a lot of theatre at school. Um, she's done a little bit of film uh, and television, but not much. And I actually suggested to Steph, um, "What about casting Olivia as my daughter?" And he said, "Well, let's try." And so Liv sat down a tape, and he just said, "Yeah, let's do it. That's fantastic." So, and that was really that was harder for me um, to. Uh, to work with Olivia hmm. because, you know, she's a, when we, when we shot the film, she was a 20, 20 year old girl. And I mean, I was trying to help her to give her experience, to give her some, um, some advice on things. And she said, no, 
don't, don't, Dad, don't. And Jed would give her some advice, and, and of course she'd take Jed's advice, which was really <laughs> upset badly. I said, I don't tell you all boys what to do. Anyway, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, and but she was really good. We had to redo a scene because neither of us we just we just weren't sitting right in it. So it's the only redo that we did on one of the scenes. But um, it's pretty amazing actually. I mean, we got to work together on it. I think she's she's very believable. Um, she definitely and, uh, gets some talent from her dad, I'm sure, right? Oh well, yeah, but I mean, um, she, yeah, yeah, she's she's um she's her own person, and she's becoming an extremely focused um adult um with regards to what she wants to do, and 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 that's pretty cool, and I and I think there's a there's a sense of getting it right, there's a sense of like the professionalism that comes out in her, which you've seen me, um do over the last 22 years of a life um so yeah you know um and that's with all of our uh, our kids you know jane's kids and uh, uh ben and sarah who are a lot older obviously because i'm their, their stepfather but um you know it, it, one thing that both of us and sarah and her husband john who was um olivia's stepdad we've all focused on how important it is for the kids to have a reality base and so they're all working pretty hard at what they do um, to get a career behind them. Um, Liv realized that being an actor was actually really hard. Um, so she said, Dad, I'm going to go for a degree um, and then do acting um, as a, as a not as a hobby, but as a side as a side issue. Yeah. And I said, you can do that. And then she got Blue Moon. And, yeah. So, yeah, wow. we'll, see, we'll see what happens. It's, it's a, a great experience to, you know, and, and – and, um, You've just got to, you've just got to take it as it comes, you know, and not get too, um, not too perturbed about it. It's true. Everything happens for a reason, so it, there's there's no use on stressing too much over it. She did do a fantastic job, though. Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of people say that she's really good in it, and um, you know, and it can't be easy for her acting with her father. You know, I mean, you have to put that aside, I guess, and it's really hard. You have to put it aside and then put it back together again. As Horace and his daughter, which is really um, quite another interesting concept. Um, okay, Olivia's gone, and now the other daughters come in. Ho- uh, Mark's gone. Horace has come. So there's yeah. So um, yeah, it's really interesting. That's probably that was probably part of the proof of how good she is that she could put that aside, and yeah. you know, at at a young age like that, um, you know. Um, who knows? This this may be the beginning. We're talking here, and who knows? Maybe just in a few years or something like that. This, yeah. you know, she'll be saying, "Yeah, she, I remember." She could get a dad work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess what I guess one of the big things about it was that we had thirty hours. Yeah. We had six days. No one wanted to drop the ball. That's true. That's true. Um, and and that's the other thing, you know, about mobile filmmaking, because things can go wrong. Um, oh. oh, yeah. You know, um, I've, I've been on sets where things have gone wrong with, I'll never forget this. I worked on a film and it just so happened that the AD happened to have another camera in the trunk of his car, same same model and everything. But that, that <laughs> because something happened to the first camera. But that is a very rare thing. Um, yeah. But with phones, you know, it's it's almost like, well, we're going to shoot this on an iPhone and probably a few others here have iPhones if something happens, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think one of the issues was we, you know, the anamorphic lens that was attached. Um, and we had the um, the toggle that enabled the, the iPhone to be moved as if it was like smooth and silky. So... And, and all sorts of inventions, you know, the wheelchair, um, um, all sorts of um, things were installed, you know. But, you know, it was just, it, it was it was so matter of fact. It was just done. And our, um, and the doc, the DOP was just amazing. He just said, no, we're doing this. Boom. And there he would be with his, uh, with his, the camera would be there. And, of course, the camera, which is like six inches by three inches or however big it is. Right. Um, you can see through it. You know, you can see through to the other actor. It's not like there's this great, like, camera in front of you and there's three or four people around it and 
and all those sort of things. So it became very, it became sort of very um, easy to, um, I guess, you know, not worry about the camera. And I, and I think that's that's what's worked. That's what worked. That's what's worked according. And it has attracted an awful lot of interest of other people who are becoming involved. I mean, we've we've had this. Um, we've had Richard Visor, who's um, who's uh, in England who's been doing all sorts of um, work for us in regards to approaching um, festivals for, it to, for the film to be seen at, et cetera, et cetera. And, we, and we have to give a shout-out to Rich because um, oh, he's, he's, just he's the one who connected us. So yeah. yeah. Well, I met him in London two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I sat down mm -hmm. with him for six hours, and by the end of the six hours I wanted to sort of say, well, would you like to um, – be my mentor for the rest of my life as well mm -hmm. uh, because he really was um, and the connections he's got the people he knows what he's experienced his family being the first in cinema in uh, you know in make in the whole business in the UK right back into the 19th century I mean it's extraordinary I had no idea it, yeah he uh, his family were the first people to start cinema in the UK Wow that's, yeah, that's incredible. You see, yeah. there's so many stories within stories. And his, his, you know, his um, involvement in the rank studios, his involvement in, in his charity. Wow. His charity. And he does all of this other stuff. And then there's the charity where they look after um, kids who, uh, who are, you know, who are underprivileged and, and, uh, and whatever. And that's a huge charity and it's, um, and it's got huge exposure and he works so hard on that. And he's got three boys of his own, yeah. um, and and he he does all this, and he's uh, just he, he's another one who's not interested in all the facade and the and the um, you know the the, the uh, what would you call it the, without without trying to be rude, right? Because you never know who's listening. But um, yeah. but yeah, I it, it's 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 a show. It's it's show business in many other yeah. ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I've I've gone to LA. I've, I, a while back, I spoke with someone who came from another country, and uh, they were in LA, and they they were so excited. They said, "I've met seventeen producers that all want me to." And I said, "You know, hold on a second. There are thirty seven hundred producers in LA, and none of them have actually anything to back up anything that they say." <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean that. I mean. What you just said then sort of says it all. I mean, our CVs, all of our CVs, yeah. um, Jed, my CV, Steph's CV, just look at the CV. That's what speaks. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it's in the doing. Do you know what I mean? I it's do. You were talking about it earlier, you know, about all this background that you guys, all this sweat that you've had to put in and you have people coming in thinking they're going to just dive in right now and that they should be up on top and things should happen. Well, we, I mean, this is why I had this issue with reality TV. Reality TV is just killing so much of our, of our creativity, our integrity as a, an entertainment business because it's not entertainment. No. It's just people um, involved in looking at people um, who – for a certain amount of time, live a false existence uh, because of a reality TV show. And it's rather. not really reality either. No, it's not. It's completely exactly. unreal. It's rubbish. Um, and it's so, you know, it's lowest common denominator television because the budgets are so, you know, they don't have to worry about paying actors. They don't have to worry about paying writers. It's just crew. Thank God the crews get paid. You know, the crews are so important. But, but you know, it, it's... I know what you're saying. I, I, as a matter of fact, back in 2005, 2006, somewhere around there, where I said, oh, look at these guys. They don't have to – there's no real production value in this. Um, and they're making millions. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, well, I guess good on them, you know. Uh, right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> The, the, I, I, and it all comes down to work, Susie. Yeah. You know, the power and the, um, I guess the, what do you call it, um, the proof is in the work. Yeah. 
it's it's well worth it and and this is one of the reasons why I love mobile filmmaking because um you know we were just talking about children you know a child could pick up a phone camera and start practicing today and by the time they're in their 20s or in their teens in their 20s whatever um they've got some experience to to work with they've they've failed at different things learned how to fix their failures and move on and try different things um and and then they you know in 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 making making stories involves people other people um and you have to communicate with people and that's um that's a skill in itself well, absolutely. And, you know, one of the downsides of, of, of this modern age that we live in with the iPhone, the iPod, the iPad, the, um, the computer, blah, 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 all the games that we said, we are losing, we are losing the ability to communicate a little bit because we're putting all of our communication into a, uh, you know, a, a, a typewriter on a, on a screen that we're using when people are accessing six, eight, 10, 12 hours a day. Um, and that power of communication um, in itself is under threat. Um, so, and, and part of but, communication is where you build the teams. Like you were talking yeah. about your team, your families, you know, and you guys are a team. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's, um, we're very fortunate. We are very fortunate. We got together to make something that has huge body. It's effective. It works as a film. Um, it has um, a, a journey uh, that takes you from start to finish. And by the end of it, you sort of go, wow, it, have I just seen what I've just seen? And then so many people, I mean, when we showed it at, um, at the Miramar Cinema in, in uh, Wellington, uh, we had people asking, uh, why have we never seen you guys do stuff like this on film before? And we, we were saying because we never had the opportunity. And we had the opportunity because it was filmed on iPhone and it wasn't a big, huge, expensive budget on a film or a big film that didn't want to take the risk with people that are, that you know, that are the standards that... Oh, I, I, that sounds like I'm, I'm making criticism of people who make choices and on who they want to be in their film, and, and that's absolutely fine. Uh, what I'm saying is that this iPhone, Blue Moon, has given us a chance to step outside the, the stable that we have been put in um, and that we sort of find ourselves uh, in, and that's quite nice. You know, that's a nice feeling to be able to get outside that and actually show something else that you can do outside of what the norm uh, is expected of you. Does that make any sense as well? Yes, of course. It's it's one thing um, that I've I've I meet actors. Well, I'm in San Diego. I'm in California. Of course, I'm meeting actors just just going to go get a coffee somewhere. Um, but they're one of the things I tell people and who are interested in acting is cast yourself. You know, use use what you have and cast yourself and and put yourself out there. Yeah. Absolutely. You've got nothing to lose. It's true. You have nothing to lose. The only thing you're going to, the only thing you're not going to do is, um, is uh, well, the only thing you'll do if you don't is regret it, that you didn't. Um, and what about all the professional actors that are, um, you know, um, that are, that are waiting in line to be cast in any film? Yeah, well, that's because they're waiting. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. both Jed and I have the same um, have the same uh, opinion, I guess, or the same focus, which is about don't just say, don't just stay still, waiting for something to happen. You've got to encourage something to happen. So the way to do that is to get out and put yourself out there and encourage projects, make yourself available for, for things that maybe you know are test um, test films or they're just um, you know pilots or whatever. You 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 can't just sit there. I mean, I. And it's, I mean, I'm lucky I, I get to do a lot of theatre shows where I don't have to audition for. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, here's it. I'm, I've done um, 
I've done 36 auditions in the last two and a half years for film or television or something, mm-hmm. and I've had two recalls. Wow. I, you know, it, what it says is that I'm not good in the audition situation, or it's just saying it's not your time. It's not. That, it doesn't mean to say that you're not any good. It's just you've got to get a hold of it and hold on to the fact that all the experience you had have is waiting for the project to come along. And that project will come along, but you've got to encourage the project to come along. So you keep you keep developing the craft. You keep educating yourself. You keep believing. You keep focusing on the positives and not the negatives. I missed out. Tough. Move on. You know, um, the system is not interested in what you didn't get. The system is interested in what you've done. And does that reflect upon what you're going to do? That is the basis of it cannot reflect on what you didn't get that is such good advice um you know for because acting is is one of the you know for 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 every one actor that's popular not not to say famous or anything really or a big movie star but just popular there are thousands thousands who have had a, a, a little chance here and a little chance there and they feel like complete failures because they're not getting to do so much, mm. you know, and some, they just fade yeah. away. Some of my colleagues um, who I've known when I started out, they're no longer in the business. They're doing other things now because nothing came their way, you know. But in the same instance, it's, um, I don't know. I, I still think that the industry that we're in requires some talent. It requires the finesse of talent. And I think now, because of reality TV, because of the of the all the drama schools and and, and all this um, variety of like, oh man, you, anyone could do it, anyone could do it. What it has done is actually stripped away the, the core, which is the, the talent. I mean, you have to have a certain amount of talent. You can learn the technology, you can learn the technique, but if you don't have the core of talent, then that's uh, uh, that's hard to learn. I I, I really think that sometimes, and I, and I think in film perhaps you can get away with it a little bit more, but not in theatre. Uh, theatre will, will I think, show you up um, because you, you need to be able to um, actually remember the lines and not bump into the furniture. Um, and that's, <laughs> that's the oldest advice in the world, but it seriously, it, it, it is. And, and I, I, I just wish anyone good luck who wants to become an actor because they've just got to have grit. They've got to have a lot of, um, of, of patience, but they've also got to have a lot of self-discipline. And if you don't have self-discipline, it's a very hard, uh, it's a very hard profession to be involved in. You have to be disciplined. You have to, uh, and you have to develop your craft in a way that makes you reliant, uh, or, or not reliant. It makes you reliable to the people that are employing you. You know, it, you know, someone who learns their lines walks on set, delivers it, hits their marks, um, is going to have more chance of coming back to do another film than someone who's who's uh, not not terribly good at remembering their lines and they've got trouble and they can't and they're, they're very difficult to sort of work on. They're going to get a little little cross in the box to say no. And I guess it's an old. I mean, I'm reading I'm reading Michael Caine's I think fourth book or something, mm. and it says it's all to do with preparation, preparation. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of persistence. Yeah. Well, I guess I come from a family that has always believed in, um, you know, being together and, 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 and love and all that sort of business. My dad was a vicar, as in a priest, and my mum was a school teacher. So they, they have, um, they instilled in me a, a, a pretty interesting, um, ideal, which was people are always important. Other people are always important. And if other people are important to you and they're more important in regards to helping them, then you are heading in the right direction from the perspective of not being selfish and not being um, idealistic and and not sort of being self-opinionated and self-aware. I mean, I guess you you could say, here I am making all these opinions on um, on our interview and yet... You well, know. I think that makes it everything very interesting because um, I 
it's very inspiring to hear your your view. I love it. Well, you know, if you come, you know, you you ultimately it's up to you how you want to be perceived. I mean, I went to boarding school at the age of six and a half, um, so I learned pretty quickly. Um, this was in India. Um, I learned pretty quickly um, about self-reliance. I learned about self-respect, self-belief, uh, all the selves. They were in, they were uh, institutionalized in me pretty quick because if I didn't actually um, start showing those traits, I would be trodden on and I would be bullied and I would be, I guess, what you would call, I would be, um, I would become a very negative and very sort of um, frightened person. So I, I've never been like that. And, and not that I'm selfish and that I don't take anyone's views, uh, but it's important that your self-reliance is, is, gives you a confidence. Don't surround yourself with negative people. That's a start. I mean, negative people, are, you know, everyone's got a point of view. But if you surround yourself with negative people, you start, it starts washing off on you and you end up being a whitewash as well because you've got no positivity in moving forward. Some of the ideas might be absolute rubbish, but at least they're an idea. It's a positive thought that encourages you to perhaps encourage your own self belief and move yourself forward so how I look at it how I look at it that's a that you know that is very that is fantastic advice for someone with a dream to to get into this business into the filmmaking business um who is surrounded probably or is or has been surrounded by people who are, you know, like say the independent filmmaker were, you know, let's face it, it's, it's, you got to have the best camera or you can't do this. You got to have the best audio or you can't do that. And there, and that's negativity uh, in, that, in my no, mind. That, but that's, that, you could have the worst camera mm-hmm. and the best person that believes um, that they can actually film it because they're, they're really good at what they do and they can see the magic of the camera angle, they can see what's going on to film it. You can have the worst sound recording equipment, but yet the person who's doing the sound recording knows exactly and they've got the confidence to put it in the right place at the right time. You've still got a good soundtrack, you've still got a good picture that you filmed. The camera may have been a clunker and the sound system may have been an old Nagra. Who, who knows? But um, it, it's the belief, you know? Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, and, and and on the flip side of that, you can have the best. I've seen it. I see it, and I'm sure you see it a lot. Where there are films, I mean, we, I can just go to Netflix and find films that are produced very well. You know, the lighting is great. You know, the camera probably cost a hundred thousand dollars, and all this stuff. And I'm going, this this film sucks. You know. <laughs> We've seen a few of those, I know. We all have. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's really interesting. To, but once again, it comes down to opinion. What some people think is a good film, others don't. What some people think is not a good film, others think it's a great film. It's, it's such a mishmash. And I think if you can put – and it comes back again to the team. You've got good aspects of all of the, all of the little tentacles that are the team can all come together and produce something and I think you doesn't matter what you film it on doesn't matter what whether your budget is ten thousand dollars or ten million dollars it still comes down to teamwork and it still comes down to everyone believing in the project and supporting everyone I suppose I mean it's, it sounds this fast it sounds fantasmal or it sounds like a, you know a fantasy and it probably is mm-hmm. but once I, again I come back to that thing yeah I, w- I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say that it's because- in the work Yes. And, and the thing is like, I've, I've worked on a few films myself, nothing that I would show out there or anything, but, um, I've worked on a few films and I know for a fact that I've met people that became family within just a couple of days that, and and at the end of that film, you, you feel sad because it's over, but then you're going, Let's stay connected. Let's work on a new project together. And mm. over the mm. years, you create this family that you're looking forward to the next film because you get to play together again. Mm. Well, I guess that's one of the things that comes back to the theater thing that you were talking about. You know, they may not be the same actors, but the 
Um, but the atmosphere that's created by the actors that come together on the project that all believe, that all focus on the same thing, which is to have a, a, a performance uh, of, a, of a piece, a play, that goes out there and does what it does. And then, like, closing night, they all drift off and go to the next project, all separately. Yeah. But if you run into those people again in whatever project, whether that's two or three or five or ten years later, you have the same connection. It's really interesting. And, and I'm, and I'm sure, I mean, I, I think that happens on film. I've run into people where that happens on film too, but definitely in theatre. Um, when you work on something or work on a theatre piece that there's something happens, I, I, um, I, I've worked on a few of those and it's just, there's something about it. When you get back with those people, it's like you haven't, it was like yesterday and it's like this is, an, this is tomorrow and we're working on a new project and it doesn't matter the gaps in between. Yeah. That is, that is so There was a great play I did um, about five years ago called When the Rain Stops Falling. It's an Australian play. And um, honestly, it's, I think, one of the best things I've ever done in, in, in my theatre career. Hmm. Uh, but everybody involved in it was just perfectly cast, perfectly involved. There were no egos. Everyone had um, uh, something to contribute. Every one of those roles was performed with perfection and honestly it was a great production and um, the director was just like amazing and it, it all just came together well and uh, that's sort of like a stand-up for me as with regards to um, you know the power of a team the power of the people that you put together and I mean and I'll meet up with these guys you know and that was five years ago I'll meet up with them when I see them and we always end up talking about when the rain starts falling because it just worked and it just came off the page and it just it just it just happened every night. It was amazing, such a powerful piece of theatre. I love it when um, theatre can move you um, and move the people that are there and can be just and it can and, and it is. It's like you're a you're a voyeur on a, a moment in time, and it, it, it's like it affects. We we could hear pin drops. We could hear everything, and. Um, it was a wonderful experience. Wonderful experience. Kind of yes. like this moment, uh, uh, you know, in this podcast with you is is pretty amazing. All all that you just talked about that is so nourishing uh, for listeners to to actually, uh, guys. You're probably going to have to listen to this a few times to. <laughs> get you know the meaning behind the words of mark <laughs> because it really plays into film and you know just from my own experience you know i my my neck was tingling and and tickling me at the same time you know because um we just had our film festival mark um last april Mm -hmm. And we had filmmakers and people who had never met each other before. Some had, some met online, so forth. We had such a mix of people from different countries, different places. Um, some were more professional. Some were no complete novices. And they all came together. And I am still, that feeling that you were just talking about, mm -hmm. we're all still feeling that about how well we connected in the film festival because we were all passionate about this storytelling through film and, and, and using smartphones. Yeah. And yeah. it's just bringing a, a community and building a community of people with a specific something. I mean, I, I don't know what, what to actually call it yet, you know, because in a way it, even though it's been around for, well, for me since 2009, it's been 10 years, but to, it's as an industry, right? It, it's still very new. It's still a baby um, mm -hmm. in the mainstream. And I think that's one of the reasons why Blue Moon, you know, is finally picking up speed and momentum and, 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 and using the energy that was, there right and and spinning and people are are getting inspired by it when they see the trailer just a trailer i know uh we've we've heard here that you know Khan, that's just happened 
um, there's been an Indian film that was shot on an iPhone, and that's getting all sorts of talk and and communication about it. And we're just disappointed that um, that that Blue Moon wasn't picked up here hmm. um, by the bot by you know by any by the bodies that are representative of film and taken to Cannes. Uh, because I can assure you that Blue Moon um, is an equivalent of, uh, of, of of these films that are at Cannes or this the iPhone film that's at Cannes. I'm sure um, we oh, can't have got the exposure and the comments and the reviews that we've got on Blue Moon. If it wasn't, would I be right in saying that? No, you're you're completely correct, and you know that's something that happens um, because it's such a competitive industry. To that, uh, you know, I know here in San Diego and and I'm sure listeners can say the same thing, say someone in Texas in Austin or something like that can say the same thing or someone in Indiana or someone in Italy somewhere can say, you know, the film, the film commission, the film people, the film community here doesn't respect this with me doesn't it doesn't do the accolades or whatever you want to call it in the way that I I do when I go out of my community with this I mean that comes back to another thing see the accolades I mean the accolades are fine but to me if if, if the film has got to entertain mm-hmm. it's gonna it's got to take an audience who are watching the film same as a theater production They've got to be taken on a journey. And if they've paid their $25, $15, $12, 50 in theatre, it's a lot more money than that. But they need to have been taken on a journey and to have been entertained and to have had a great story revealed to them through the window and go, okay, wow, that was worth it. Because ultimately that's why we make films. We yeah. make for people to look at. We don't make them just be, well, I'm going to make a, a film about a toothbrush. <laughs> Okay, um, but who's going to watch that? You have to have a story. Zilch. You have to have a good yeah. story. Yeah, you've got to have a good story. And this is, this is the bottom line of Blue Moon. It's a good story. And all the other aspects of it have come together to support a good, a good story. And that's what's happened. Well, it's, 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 it's like I said. It, it just um, sometimes the people around you... Um, not meaning the people that we've so wonderfully spoken about, <laughs> but, <laughs> but some of the others, right. Um, they just don't get it. They don't, they're not, they're not, they're not going to turn their heads and look at the window. Basically. No. I think it, the window is the theme right. of these. <laughs> look, the business, the business is tough. We are a very small country. Yep. Our, um, our funding, uh, our funding bodies are extremely small uh, minuscule, and uh, it must be extremely difficult for them to determine where that um, funding stream should go. Um, but you know, um, but you get to a stage where you had to go and do it yourself because you've made so many applications, you've done it so many times, and this is in Steph's case, he's done so many applications for funding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And um, you know, and when you're doing another job to support not your hobby, but to support what your passion is. It's very hard for people who are um, outside of that to understand that passion when you're doing another job as a policeman. Or, for instance, I worked as an event manager for five years, um, and that didn't stop me and my passion for my career as an actor. But it just meant that I had to pay the bills. That's the bottom line. I didn't have a full-time job in the business that I love. I had a job in something else that helped me, uh, I guess, uh, to have dabbles in that five years in the business that I was still passionate and love. And then the Hobbit came along, so I was able to leave that job and get back into it full time. But it's a struggle. It never stops. I mean, and, I, you know, it's not what makes you the better person. It's nothing to do with it. What it is, it's about your self-preservation. It's about your self-belief and your self-esteem. And that is the, that is the vehicle that takes you on your journey, it's it's as simple as that. Um, you can't you can't blame anyone else. You can't say that it's um, oh it's just the way the system works. Forget the system. Make your own system. Enable yourself to be enabled. 
Yeah. And and have the confidence to to also tell you that no matter how many different roads you take, um, if you stay, if you if you're aiming towards that way over there, no matter which road you take, you will get there. Mm. You don't listen to the schmucks along the way. Right. <laughs> That was probably rude. I no, apologize. no, I love it. <laughs> um, we um, we've been talking an hour, and I honestly oh, oh, have we. Yeah, oh, I'm so sorry. Do not be sorry. The reason why I'm bringing that up is because I I I'm I'm just sort of marvelled here. I just looked at the time running on this, and I'm thinking, oh, already shoot. Um, I I really enjoyed talking to you. I think. I think people like our listeners, uh, you guys really are probably going to, I encourage you to listen to this podcast more than once and, and, and really think about what Mark is saying, because, um, everybody wants to succeed, you know, in this business. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. And Mark, if you had some advice to give to a mobile filmmaker, who is um, maybe not an actor, but a mobile filmmaker, someone with a dream. They don't have the funding. They don't. They have a few friends and they have a phone. What would that be? Just surround yourself with people who have a like-minded ideology and just focus on that. Go have a good story. So if you can come up with a good story, then just surround yourself with people that can support that and you're not afraid to listen to critics. You're not afraid to listen to people suggesting things that maybe criticize things. It's all about creating the product. And you need to be able to do that. Well, you need to listen. Listen um, and just, as I say, listen and use your own experience and your own ability to um, to, I don't know, to encourage other people to get into your project so that then you're all working for the same goal, which is to produce something that is entertaining, watchable, and people enjoy as a movie. doesn't matter whether it's filmed on an iPhone, a RED, a Panavision camera. It doesn't matter. If you've got something that's entertaining and people want to watch, that's the proof. That's what's in the pudding. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, I'm, no, um, I'm no psychologist. I'm no... Um, I'm no um, I'm not the oracle on anything. I just know that I just love surrounding myself with the people like Jed and Steph and, um, and Richard, yourself, because you give us the opportunity to talk about things like this. Um, my daughter, um, Doug Brooks, all of the people involved in Blue Moon, but it's wider than that. It's our families. It's the people that we come in contact with in our professional work and our social work uh, from the perspective of friends that we know and people we've become acquainted with. It's all part of this big thing, and it's all about communication. Communicate with someone, well, you're going to get a result. You don't communicate with someone, you're not going to get a result. So listen. Be invigorated. Be, I, I don't know, be, be instilled to believe in what you have and just go out there and do it. Um, not at the expense of anything. But do it because you want to believe it and because you believe in yourself. That's it. That's it. Very I've good. I've convinced myself now that I can still be, be an actor. Yeah. <laughs> right. And and from all those wonderful experiences that you've had from The Hobbit to work on Blue Moon and feel so empowered by that experience, that yeah. that is a testament to the advice that you just gave everyone. Well, thank you. Um, you know, putting a prosthetic and a big hairy beard and, and the wig on for over 200 times um, every day and some days just to sit there for hours getting itchy and all that. So what? You know, we had the best experience and we had some extraordinary times on The Hobbit. But it all, it all comes together and forms this nucleus, this core of who you are. And you're only judged by your last book or your last film. And if it was a good experience, there'll be another one. Um, Only as good as your last job. There you go. 
Okay, say goodbye to everybody, but don't hang up. <laughs> okay, all right. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, thank you for having this this moment to just discuss things with Susie. We're very lucky that we have Susie. I think Susie's amazing. Um, she gives us this opportunity to talk about things and to hopefully inspire someone out there to feel confident to do what they want to do. And um, can I just say thank you so much for your support of Blue Moon, all of you out there. Um, we just can't do it without you all. So thank you. Um, and I hope you have a great day or a great evening whenever you hear this. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>